Good evening. How's everybody? Everybody hearing me okay? I had to set uh, all these speakers and stuff up. I, uh, that way everybody can hear my beautiful voice and everybody online can see my beautiful face. And don't want to deprive anyone of either. So, <laughs> but I'm glad that we can all come out and uh, meet this evening. And uh, man, I tell you what, I missed our Sunday night and Wednesday nights getting together and, and be able to have service, getting to see everybody. It's it's uh, so tough trying to uh, do it online when you're by yourself. So if you tell a joke or something like that. I'm in a room by myself, so I don't know if anybody's even watching or not. I don't know if 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 they're laughing or if they're just looking at the camera and saying how stupid I am, which what Brandy does. And, I am in the next room laughing. Are you in the next room laughing? Yeah. And then, uh, uh, so I don't know. I uh, <laughs> so it's nice to see everybody tonight. Uh, Brandy got me this white shirt at a yard sale. As soon as I put it on, I said I look like I'm getting ready to take everybody on a to an island to visit dinosaurs. I said, I look like the guy from Jurassic Park with that on my beard stuff. So, uh, <laughs> we'll take a tour later if anybody's interested. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I, um, I'm glad some of you are able to come out this evening. It's, it's a little warm, but I was wondering why I hadn't been doing it. It's because it's been uh, so hot out. I was hoping, I know since last week or so, it's been kind of a little bit cooler in the evening, so I was hoping it'd be cool enough to uh, meet this tonight, and I'll just tell you it's not raining at this point, to be honest with you. So, but uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that's our opening passage this evening, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Hold on a second. There we go. All right. I hate holding that microphone. All right. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And as me old pappy always says, bless this reading and the hearing of it to our hearts. My dear old pappy. All right. Um, these are the prayer requests from uh, this morning, so I'm just going to read those uh, since we didn't have a Prayer request sheet uh, set up, uh, obviously, for this evening. But uh, Johnny Poor, a friend, uh, Chuck Amberson, complications from liver cancer, pain family, many sick and unknown, Richard Haynes, unspoken, Joe Franklin, Karen O'Brien, Uncle Jim, Vets, Vic and Manuel, I appreciate that. Uh, Eddie and Bonnie for Fran Pear, Paul and Jewel for Larry Duggar, Adam and Amy for Amy's parents, Jerry and Joanne, James Keller, Homer Gardner, and Darlena Miller, Vicki, my brother, Ron, and all who need to turn to God, Verda, Richard, uh, let's see, Verda, Richard, let's see, his dad, Brian, Pauline, and Georgie, Cheryl, our country, our schools and children, Tracy Kent, Fran Pear, several unspoken, Betty Whaling family, Jack Matheson family, Tom Kellerman family, uh, Kathy for Evelyn Fagan, and recovering from eye surgery. So, all right. And uh, for all those online, if you're watching and have any prayer concerns, just go ahead and put those in the comments. And we'll get to those as soon as we can. But uh, pray for Dad. He's uh, been having some stru stomach trouble and uh, complications such. So keep him in your prayer. Been worried about him. He ain't been feeling too good. Uh, last few days, so definitely keep him in your prayers, and uh, we need to be praying for this election for sure. I tell you what, it's 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 a battle between good and evil. I truly believe that. But like I said before, Lord's in control. No matter what the outcome is, Lord's in control, and we just got to trust in that. And uh, and uh, some some things that are not going to be pleasant have to transpire before we are raptured out of here. So uh, uh, so keep that in mind. But uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Therefore, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful and beautiful day that you've blessed us with. Lord, thank you for each and every person here uh, this evening and those watching online. And Lord, I pray that you will lead us, guide us, direct us in your word. Lord, it's going to lift up each and every one of these prayer requests or prayer concerns. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, uh, you've been the unspoken request, uh, those mentioned and unmentioned uh, here this evening and uh, uh, and online, and Lord, uh, that you will be done in each and every situation. Uh, Lord, I pray to be with those who are battling 
uh, sicknesses and, uh, and dealing with surgeries. And uh, Lord, I pray that you will bring uh, comfort and peace in those situations. And Lord, I pray to be with each and every uh, prayer concern mentioned here this evening, Lord. And just uh, pray that um, uh, your presence be known and felt. You'll bring comfort where needed, healing where needed, and Lord, uh, just let us trust in you in any and all situations. Lord, we thank you, love you, and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. I uh, try to think announcement-wise, uh, maybe what we have, but all that I can really think of is, uh, of course, I do my uh, morning, for those who don't know, on uh, online, on uh, the web church website i do a live morning devotion every morning at uh, 6 15 and uh, of course those on social media are already aware of that and uh, but i do that every morning live at 6 15. like i always say give me a minute or two it may i do my best to be there at 6 15 but sometimes i'm goofing and doofing and lose track of time and it may be 6 16 or 17 or 20 after so <laughs> give, give me a minute I, I, the other day i was um Got up in plenty of time, studied, ready to go. And I was talking to Brandy and looked down. I was like, oh, no, it's like 20 after. And I was running in there trying to <laughs> trying to get the video going. So I apologize. But uh, um, let's see. I'm just trying to see. There's a couple of comments on here. Uh, some people uh, said they wish they could be here this evening. I was online, but that's okay. No worries there. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, if you want to tune in each morning, I do that. And, of course, uh, you know, Wednesday evening we'll be doing it online, and uh, as, as the weather until it gets too cold, we may, uh, and, and if it don't rain, we may try to keep doing this on Sunday evenings. If it don't, you know, if y'all are good with that, I, I enjoy doing this outdoors like this. I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, so um, we may try to continue to do this. We'll just wait and see how it goes, but uh, like I said, it's weather dependent. Uh, but uh, of course Sunday morning I think a lot of people I still get emails every week asking for having live services uh, here at the church and I think to help us get the word out that every Sunday morning uh, from 11 to 12 you know we're here at the church I think some people are still kind of confused as to uh, uh, we're meeting virtually or in person so be sure and let everybody know that and as I guess morning I got kind of tickled you know on uh, I do a little advertisement uh, on um, social media let everybody know we're here at the church that sermon topic well in order to send the church a message on social media you have to go to our Facebook page to send a message and I don't understand how you go to the page not see the advertisement and then ask we're having church I, don't, I get that all the time and I'm thinking I don't understand or even oh, this is even better is I can post it and underneath it somebody will say we have a church and I'm like I'm confused. I don't. Apparently, they just don't read it. They just look at the picture, and, and I don't know. It's Richard Colberg's the one that does it. I, so. I'm teasing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm teasing you, Richard. So. But uh, I've been a long time since so I got to pick on anybody. That was kind of fun. I get to pick on Richard a little bit. So, but uh, but anyway, yeah, keep the word out that we, uh, as far as as long as we can, we're going to meet here uh, each Sunday morning. So let everybody know that because I don't think they're. They're aware of that. So, well, let's go ahead and um, dive into our uh, passage this evening. We'll look at Hebrews 11, 30 through 31. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm just uh, teasing around as such. I don't want anybody to feel like I was trying to make them feel uh, stupid or anything when I talk about that. I'm just, just kidding around. But uh, So I'll probably get an email say that that was one of those that they were one of those people and that I was a mean bad preacher so but Hebrews 11 30 and 31 by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies all right let me get this you have to bear with, for those here physically, you have to bear with me here. So I'm trying to do the church website. I have slides on there and on social media. So I'm trying to do really three things at one time. And you're looking at a guy who can barely chew gum and walk at the same time. So I, I'm the guy, my, my dad was trying to help me uh, move some stuff one time. And he says, listen, you always get hurt. He said, just stand, just stand right there. There was like an embankment. He said, just stand there, don't do nothing. And so I went over to stand. 
I slip and fell because the grass was wet and I fell. He said, you can't even stand. He said, I can't even ask you to stand and you get hurt. So bear with me. So, all right. Let's go ahead and have another quick word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you, love you, and praise you. Uh, Lord, again, uh, thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for allowing us to be able to uh, come and meet uh, this evening. And Lord, uh, you know how much we love our church family. Uh, Lord, let us exhort and encourage one another. Uh, Lord, let us learn from your word this evening. Uh, fill uh, this church with your spirit, uh, those uh, watching online. And Lord, uh, help us to glean uh, from your good word uh, and to uh, apply it to our spiritual walk and our lives and to further uh, spiritual growth. Lord, help us and guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We know why uh, uh, reading and studying this passage uh, for this evening you know, I couldn't help but think about, uh, you know, a lot of us deal with uh, certain situations in our lives, uh, some known, unknown. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of spiritual battles, whether it's uh, with marriages or whether it's with uh, dealing with children, finances. You know, there's a lot of people losing their jobs right now with all this with this COVID mess and uh, everything that's going on right now. And uh, I think it's hard and, and difficult um, to stay um, true to the Word of God, to uh, not, not not saying that you're losing your salvation, I'll stretch my imagination, but sometimes it's hard to um, to to have that complete dependence upon God. It's easy to question, you know, well, you know what's going on? I don't understand, you know, why is this happening? You know, like we were talking about, um, let's see, Wednesday, this Sunday, Wednesday, I think it might have been Wednesday, or it might have been last Sunday, you know, I was talking about how, you know, when we before we get saved, it seems like uh, things are going good. And then when you get saved, it's like everything starts falling apart. And it's easy to question, you know, what's going on? You know, I get saved. You know, I think that um, it's so easy. And, and it's not that the promises are false by no stretch of the imagination uh, that God is good and God is benevolent and, and, and his, his grace is sufficient uh, and um, salvation is true and real. All that is true. But sometimes it's um, uh, easy for some people to gloss over the fact that being a Christian is one of the hardest things you'll ever do because the old devil don't like the fact that you're trying to serve an almighty God. So he's going to throw everything at you. He will use people in your lives. He will use co-workers. He will use uh, whatever he can to try to make you stumble, to try to make you mess up uh, in your, your walk with Jesus Christ. And so one thing we have to understand for sure is that our walk with Christ is nothing we can do on our own. It, it is something that we have to be, it is that faith. Remember, the God that created the heavens and the earth is the one that gives us that faith. And that's why we have to, to be completely, utterly, totally dependent upon Jesus Christ in order for us to, uh, to make it uh, through this, uh, this life we have here on this earth. And, uh, you know, and I've said this before, and I don't want really to sound like a broken record, but these, these present sufferings are only temporary. They're only here just for a little while, and then we get to spend all of eternity in heaven. See, that's, that's where our, our goal, that's what we have to keep our eyes on, those promises and the things that Christ gives us. And, um, uh, you know, I, like I told you before, you know, with my children, if I make them a promise, they can bank on it. They know that if Daddy says something, that's going to happen. And that's why we have to keep our eyes on the Lord and have that, that enduring faith. Well, you know, when we're looking at this study in Hebrews this evening, at these two verses, which are, are jam-packed with, with a lot of good meat here, um, before, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, um, uh, Moses, we are talking about Abraham, we are talking about uh, biblical figures uh, before the Promised Land. Now we're looking at two characters uh, and figures uh, after they went to the Promised Land, after 40 years of wandering, going into Canaan. And, um, you know, it is, uh, you can only imagine Joshua, what he's going through and trying to, you know, here there's several million people here and uh, uh, try to uh, make them, help them to understand uh, the promises of God and what he's given. And here they went into the land of Canaan. Here there's these giants and all these obstacles. Now remember that these are not simply Bible stories. Understand that. Because I think some people look at this stuff and, you know, uh, you grow up in Sunday school, you know, hearing about uh, Jonah and the well and, and hearing about Samson. And I think some people almost attribute that to a, an almost a, a childlike or a, a, a mythical story like the Greek gods of Zeus and Apollo. You know, but here's the thing. It, these are actual events that happen. Archaeological digs and studies 
prove, particularly with, with, the, with the walls of Jericho that fell, that this really existed, this really happened. So we have archaeological proof. Uh, in fact, I was looking uh, this evening at uh, evidence that demands a verdict, and it was, it was you know, discussing some of the dates and such uh, at the events of this happening and some of the digs that they had uh, discovering uh, the, uh, 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 the walls, the castle, whatever it is there that, uh, that fell. And uh, so I just want to make that clear uh, that, uh, that this is not just a simple children's story, a Bible story. We can learn and understand what it took for the obedience uh, of the children of Israel. So when you put this in, in the proper context uh, to understand, when we we read verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now understand this. You know, strategically, uh, from a military aspect, uh, if they were going to attack uh, an armament, a, um, a castle, if you will, uh, particularly a fortified settlement such as this, uh, of course, the walls were like 11 feet high, and then they had uh, curvatures that went up like even like 30 more feet. I mean, it was, it was a massive uh, uh, establishment there. And so most... Uh, from a military perspective, they would either try to tunnel uh, to get in, they would try to build a, a dirt ramp uh, and, uh, to try to get up over the wall, uh, they would have some kind of battering ram. I mean, I, I think enough of you have seen enough movies, you know, particularly uh, uh, Braveheart, some of these others, you kind of get an idea what I'm talking about when they're going to attack a castle, what is involved uh, to, uh, to try to, to break through uh, those walls. When I was reading that, you know, it made me think, of, uh, of Braveheart uh, when they had the heavy cavalry. How many has watched Braveheart? Just out of curiosity. Most, most of you've probably seen it. And uh, I don't know if you all remember that scene. They said, nobody's ever stood up to a heavy cavalry. You know, and so uh, uh, Mel Gibson, uh, his character, uh, said, uh, you know, don't, we got this. They, they sharpened those sticks with that heavy cavalry come pounding down. They raised him sharp poles up and, and you know, them horses, of course, ran right into that. They, they'd take those soldiers out. But, uh-oh, losing my... What just happened here? There we go. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, God, uh, uh, appearing as a man to, uh, to talk to Joshua and tell him, here's what needs to be done. You're going to walk around this uh, for uh, six days, and then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times and blow the trumpet. Now... God could have easily had them a circle at one time and the wall and blow the trumpet and come down. I mean, easily. I mean, because you know it happened when the walls did come down, they come down instantaneously, and exactly how God said it would happen. But instead, He wanted them to have the faith and the obedience to carry out what He wanted. Now, I'm sure that uh, when Joshua come uh, to his military council and say, "Hey, we're going to encircle uh, this for." Uh, six days, and we're going to do it seven times, and uh, I'm sure they were like, uh, you know, what, what are you talking about? You know, there's no way that, that that's going to do anything. In fact, uh, it probably been, uh, you know, you had some skeptics in there uh, that said, you know, they probably thought he was crazy. But they, you know, all the times the children of Israel were disobedient, <laughs> one time they were actually obedient and did exactly what they were told. But you have to think, you know, when they, when they on the sixth day, when they did that seven times, the, 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 uh, the size of the structure itself was so massive that it probably took them about three and a half hours to, to encircle that. So you know that people had to um, uh, been marching and thinking, this is not working. Joshua is crazy. I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, you know, I know that, you know, I hate to say it, but I've been known to complain a time or two in my life. And, and I, I can imagine walking around a big uh, thing like that and, and be like, man, this is crazy. What is he thinking? We've been doing this for six days. There ain't no way this is going to do anything. Could you imagine when they blew that trumpet and them walls come crashing down, they're probably like, holy cow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this guy ain't so crazy after all, you know. And... Um, so it's demonstrating their obedience, their faith in God, that they didn't question it. They did. If there were any complainers, if there were any grumbling, then uh, they, uh, they, the Bible doesn't mention it. But I can only speculate uh, due to the, uh, the imperfection of man 
uh, that you know you had to have probably one or two out there, you know, that's kind of whining a little bit and asking, why are we having to do this? This isn't fun, you know. And, uh, probably uh, an old liberal back then. This is this is not this isn't right. Why are we doing this? So, but, uh, but anyway, um, you know, so they had they were trying to, you know, it was really unsurmountable odds. Uh, that they were having to face and uh, you know, I think there are times in our, our Christian walk and lives that we feel that that we have to face things that are uh, almost unsurmountable that uh, uh, or insurmountable rather uh, that uh, We wonder how we're going to face and you know, that's one great thing about God that even though it may be impossible for man It's possible through God and you know, and I think that's what he's trying to to demonstrate here is that man's plan would be to, hey, let's, we have to do A and B in order to achieve C. That God was saying, no, we're not doing it man's way, we're doing it my way. And, uh, you know, because uh, he's just demonstrating his power. You know, you know, man, it's just like uh, God's word says, that the man may plan his steps, but God's going to direct his ways. And so it is God's timing, God's way of, of doing things. I mean, you look at uh, Gideon. And uh, he had over 35,000 men, but they were facing uh, an army of over 100,000. But here's the thing. He, even though uh, he had that amount of men, God said that was too many. I mean, you would sit there and think 30,000 men against over 100,000. You would think, man, that's, that's, that's crazy odds. And God's saying, no, that's, that's too many. And then he, he, then he weeds those out. And God said, there's still too many. And he weeds those out. And finally, there's down to like 300 men. But they was doing what God asked them to do or told them to do, and they were victorious. You know, that's just like um, Hudson Taylor. Uh, when he was, the uh, uh, Lord led him to go to the uh, inland of China uh, to be a missionary. He said that God had to find somebody weak enough uh, to do his work. And I think, you know, that's what uh, it boils down to is, is you know, there's something that man thinks... Um, I think the problem is that man thinks he's too strong. He doesn't. He thinks that um, you know. Well, God's word tells us we think too highly of ourselves. That's the problem. We're full of pride. We're full of uh, of selfishness. We're full of covetousness. Uh, and sometimes God has to break us down to get us to a point where He can use us. You know, just like when I was uh, in the Air Force at boot camp, that was the thing. They that they didn't want to tear you down and then build you to where they what they wanted you to do. So you know how to take orders and, and do what they try to what they say. And uh, I'll tell you what, the way some of those TIs talk to, uh, talk to us, I'd rather somebody just really just haul off and hit me to be talked to like it. I, they were just, I mean, they'd rip you up one side down another. Of course, I told you all about Applejack. Hey, uh, this poor old guy who pulled guard duty. And he thought, uh, after when they had uh, their, their mess hall there, uh, he could take an apple on guard duty. And uh, he was eating that apple. I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't thought nothing of it either. Apparently, that's a no-no. You don't eat while you're on car duty. And man, they tore into him. I mean, they got everybody up out of bed, and they tore into him. And his nickname after that was Applejack. But So that was a good lesson to learn. You don't eat on guard duty. So anyway, take that as you will. But, you know, but God has to um, tear that, that, that pridefulness out of, our, out of us and uh, so he can use us. Uh, in his way and for his glory and because uh, men generally are boastful you know look what I did look what I accomplished so I think that goes back to the, the free gift of salvation you know we look at Ephesians 2 8 9 is you know as we read our opening scripture it is that, that, that grace of God that free gift that nothing that no man can do on his own it is that free gift of God uh, that saves us and, uh, and and that way you know you look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they just, you know, they wanted to, to put on airs and to, to say, look how holy they were. And you get some Christians like it. They try to act like they're super holy and think that they're better than everybody else and look their nose down at people who do wrong. But here's the thing, man, we're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's going to lead us up to verse 31 here in just a minute. But we have some other things to cover uh, before we get to that point. Now, uh, of course, we've talked about... Um, uh, the victory over uh, the enemies. You know, like I say, we're going to face a lot, you know, just as they were facing the enemies of the Canaanites and they were facing giants. I mean, we're going to have enemies as Christians. You know that. You understand that. 
You're going to have family turn their back on you. You're going to have friends turn their back on you. You're, you're going to have bought, there's certain situations where, in fact, it's kind of like, um, I know this is fiction, but uh, I was watching Highway to Heaven. I, like I said, at lunchtime when I take a break, I like to watch a little bit of Highway to Heaven while I'm eating my lunch. And it showed um, uh, this guy who's a mechanic, and he's worked for this crooked, nasty uh, car dealer. And he said, listen, I want you to, to he's, uh, the mechanic was needing an advance on his salary. It's Christmas time. And he said, uh, uh, hey, I, can I get an advance? He said, sure, sure, I'll give you an advance. I'll give you X amount of money. You're, you're good to go, but I need a favor. And that mechanic said, what is it? He said, I need you to roll back the odometer on some of these cars. He said, I can't do that. He said, if you want that advance, you're going to roll back that odometer. He said, I can't do that. It's dishonest. That's illegal. I can't do that. He said, well, then you're fired. And uh, even though that was fiction, you and I both know there are situations uh, people have been at at jobs, they've been asked to do something they know is wrong. And they may lose their job because they had to do the right thing, which is difficult and hard to do sometimes. But as Christians, we're going to have those kind of enemies uh, that we're going to have to battle and uh, go against. I mean, guys, I'm just telling you right now, uh, I don't think it takes an Einstein uh, to see and understand uh, that we have a world who hates us, who hates God, who hates Christianity. I mean, you look at the DNC, uh, you can see how they omitted God from the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, this morning, I, I get up, and, and uh, first thing I, I kind of look through and scroll, see, check emails, things like that. Well, uh, come up and said that uh, a fact checker come up and said that, uh, that they did not omit God from the Pledge of Allegiance. That is a blatant lie. I literally watched it, with, and, and there's a Muslim guy who, who did the pledge, and he omitted God from the Pledge of Allegiance. So you can sit there and see how social media, how these, uh, like Google, some of these others, are blatantly trying to lie and, and try to make uh, our president look like a liar. In fact, uh, one even said, uh, how can our president be a, a lie about something like this or something that affects one, one of the titles on it. So... Uh, it is obvious. Yeah, what we look at was it in 2016 when they uh, denied God three times uh, at the convention, you know? And uh, so if this election uh, doesn't go as hoped, you know, I'm not telling you who to vote for. You can vote for whoever you want to. But uh, truly, hopefully you can see with your own eyes what uh, the clear option is. But it is... Um, uh, if the wrong side gets in there, I'm telling you, they want, remember, they want to silence us as Christians. I hope you know that. I hope you understand that. They want to silence pastors. They want to shut down churches because we are an affront to their beliefs. And we stand against everything that they're for. And it, it is, uh, we may be headed for some scary times. But remember, our strength is not our own. It comes from God. And that's where we have to draw in the, in the worst of times. We have to draw our strength, whether it's worst or good, or the, you know, best of times, whatever it is, we know that we have to draw our strength from God alone. And even though we may say, no, I don't know if I can stand in the face of persecution. I don't know that I could. Don't worry about it. God will give you what you need when you need it. Remember that. And so don't worry about it. You know, I don't know, you know, none of us know how we're going to act until we're put in that situation. But when God will give us what we need, we need it. So that's a, be rest assured on that. Now, when we look at these, this passage here again, we're still looking at verse 30. I know this is a lot to, lot to cover in these two, two verses, but there are a lot that we, we need to, to, to look at here. Now, um, when we look at faith, and we, we understand that we obey God implicitly. That we don't, um, uh, we, we can't have, we, you know, well, let's put it this way. I remember years ago, uh, when I was a kid, uh, hard to believe that uh, I'm going off 48 years old and becoming an old man, but uh, still look like I'm 20, but I, you know, that's, I understand that. But I, uh, uh, I remember I was bad about when dad would tell me something, I would question it. And he would say, hey, I need you to do this. I'm like, why? I need you to do this. Why? You know, <laughs> so he told me a story and uh, he said, let me tell you something, son. When I tell you to do something, you need to do it and not sit there and question me why. 
Now, it's bad when this was just yesterday. But anyway, uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, he, um, uh, he sees tell me a story about uh, a missionary. He, he was a missionary, so he, I think it was like in Africa or something. And um, his son was playing under a tree. And he told his son, he said, I need you to come here. I see you want you, he said, get on all fours. I want you to crawl to me and come to me. And the little boy, without question, did exactly what his father said. And what the little boy didn't realize was that there was a huge poisonous stake right above his head, getting ready to strike. And if he had not done exactly as his father had said, he could have been bitten and possibly died. And that goes back, I think, to what we're looking at here this evening is that when, in order to have that obedience in God, we need to, to obey without question, implicitly, and, and do as we are told. Now, here's the thing. We have to, uh, when we study, you know, we have to study God's Word. You know, a lot of people, their, their, their lives are, are contrary to what God's Word is telling them, and then they wonder why they're not getting any blessings. They don't ever pick up a Bible. They don't ever read it. They never look at it. And, and, and if, you, if you don't read and understand what God is trying to tell you and help you with, how can you be obedient? And that's why it's imperative. That's why I encourage every day to read your Bible. That's why, in fact, I was talking to this gentleman right here about, uh, he's asked me the link to how to read the Bible in a year. And I, uh, I, I shared the link with him because I love that uh, link. Uh, in fact, you can buy the physical Bible, one-year Bible, because it gives you what to read for that exact day. There's no question. You know, I know a lot of people mean well. They say, well, I'll just open up my Bible and read whatever. Well, that's, that's fine and good, and, uh, but it's, it's hard to stay consistent. Because uh, for a long time, I did that. Like, I don't know what to read. I'd read that. And the next day, I'd get up like, did I read that yesterday? Or what are, you know, and I didn't know where I was at. But praise God, uh, I, I love that one-year Bible uh, because... It helps you stay consistent, uh, and it will. Uh, if you happen to miss a day, you go back and, and hit what you've read. And praise God, I've read through the Bible entirely uh, 14 times. That's a pretty. I mean, I love that. I don't mean I don't say that to be prideful or or be a braggart, but at that, uh, uh, I love being able to say I've read through God's Word 14 times, and every time I every year, it's brand new. You know, it's not like a uh, like you read Tom Sawyer and like, ah, man, I've read this before. This is getting old. It's getting boring. It's not like it with God's Word. But in order to be obedient, you have to know what he is saying. And you can't know what he's saying if you're not reading. You know, study show thyself approved. You've got to dive into God's word each and every day so that you can understand it and be obedient and know what his word is trying to say. And um, uh, so, uh, you know, and also, you know, just like uh, uh, when I was talking about Joshua and he, you know, each day they're able to do that for six days. I'm sure there was impatience. You know, there's like thinking, well, when's this going to happen? When's this wall going to come down? When are we going to be able to attack? When are we going to do these things? And, you know, that's the thing. We have to wait upon the Lord uh, in our lives as Christians. Uh, you know, it's easy to be impatient. And uh, trust me, I am the most impatient person you'll probably ever met. Brandy, I'll tell you. She goes, I never seen anybody so impatient in my life. You know, I'll just be sitting there in the car and I'll be waiting on something and I'm sitting there just, you know, with my fingers like that and rocking my knee up and down. She's like, I don't know why you're so impatient. And I'm like, well, right, I'm just sitting here. And you're jerking your knee up there. It's getting on my nerves, you know. And I'm just like, I mean, she don't say it exactly like that. I mean, to me, it sounds like that. But she she may not sound like that exactly. But I... Um, uh, you didn't say that you blow and huff and puff, too. Blow and huff and puff, too. Roll in the eyes. I don't know what you're talking about. He must be yeah. somebody. He must be my old boyfriend or something. But anyway, <laughs> so... But I... <laughs> But I am, I'm very impatient, and, and I tell you, uh, if you don't wait, I, th I think that, well, I know that God doesn't want you to make snap decisions, and I think it goes back to, uh, to not, you know, to, to wait on the Lord, to pray about things, and trust me, I know from experience, because I get impatient, I rush ahead of God, you know, kind of half-heartedly pray, God, is it your will? Yeah, I think it's your will, I didn't do it, and then I screw up every single time. You know, and, uh, you know, I hate, I tell you, I, uh, nothing more than I hate. I, I hate and loathe with all my heart is looking for a car. I despise it. You know, uh, and I know what I, you know, I get in a hurry and I've made some bad choices when it comes to cars. But I tell you what, I get so sick of dealing with crooked people. You know, 
I, I remember the times I went to look at a car and I say, is the radio work? Oh, I don't know, boss. I don't ever listen to radio. I thought, you liar. I thought, if you can't be honest about a daggone radio, what else is wrong with this stupid thing, you know? And so, and I brushed in, and I see a car, it looks all shiny and pretty. I'm like, yeah, and I buy it. Two days later, it's going clunk, clunk, clunk. I'm like, oh, man. But, you know, we got to pray about things. And even though it's tough to wait on the Lord, we got to, we got to pray. And we got to wait. And I think it's tough for people when they're single or when they're lonely or looking for a job or trying to make decisions. It's tough uh, to wait on the Lord. It's tough to have that patience. But just like Joshua and his men, they, they each day they kept circling and kept waiting on the Lord and doing exactly what they were told. And that's what we have to do, even though it's not easy, even though it isn't fun. And most of you, like me, are very impatient. You've got to just cool your jets and just do the right thing and really give up to the Lord and really pray. Now, um, let's see here. Um, let's go ahead and look at verse 31 here. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. Now, it was, uh, you know, some may wonder what were the spies doing in the place of a prostitute. And uh, that is, uh, you know, of course one could say maybe they're doing something they weren't supposed to do. But uh, I think it was... Um, Oh, uh, what was his name? Um, Thomas Aquinas, I believe it was, uh, that um, said that that's probably the most, you know, it's not that they were there to sin, uh, but it was a good hiding place because, you know, obviously people, men were going in and out of there without question, and so the king wouldn't have thought to really think much of it, uh, seeing a couple of strangers maybe going in there and, uh, uh, and not think to, of anything suspicious. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about Rahab. Now, you know, I understand uh, that she was indeed a prostitute. I know that some people have, have tried to gloss over that and try to say she was just an innkeeper. Uh, in fact, the reason why I say that, because uh, years ago when I was just a kid in Sunday school, I believe that's exactly what, if I'm not mistaken, that's what the teacher said, she was an innkeeper. I'm, I'm sure that had been tough to, you know, the kids would have been saying, what the prostitute? So, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can imagine some little old lady going, oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but she was a prostitute. I mean, just no other way to put it. You know, but God used her in a mighty way. See, even though those men, when he went there to hide, uh, you know, they thought that, you know, they might have been just, you know, making a, a ditch effort to, to, to escape danger. But it was all providence. It was all the way God had ordained and wanted it to come about. Now, you know, here's the thing, though, about Rahab. That, yes, she was a, pr a prostitute, but she had heard about the Israelites, and she had heard about uh, the things that they had conquered and what they had overcome. And, uh, and, and she knew, she said, if she, in fact, she even says uh, in Joshua 2, uh, said, uh, you're God, the God of heavens and of the earth. You know, so she referred, she knew exactly uh, who God was and was being obedient and hid uh, those spies uh, in the in the rooftop there, and uh, and even lied and misdirected uh, the uh, the guards uh, to to find them. Well, you know, you look at that. It here, you know, you, you think, well, gosh, she lied and she was a prostitute, you know. But here's the thing: God's grace is sufficient. And even though this woman, you know, in fact, the Jews would have given her three strikes because they would have seen that she was a Canaanite that she was a woman, and that she was a prostitute. That's the way they would have looked. They would have, they would have looked, disregarded her three strikes you're out. In fact, uh, the, it was not, not uncommon for Jewish men to, to uh, sanctimoniously pray, thank God I am not a woman. I mean, seriously, they would literally say that. Now, I understand that to a certain point because women are mean. But if you say that to a woman, they say, well, it's because of you men. That's why we're so mean. So, you know, watch all these women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah amen. You men. <laughs> you provoke us, says Cheryl. So, <laughs> but, uh, of course, it's like poking a bear with a stick. That's what's fun. Sometimes I do stuff just to see what gets Brandy going. And she even says, uh, if she says Jiminy Cricket, you better run. All right, that's her, that's her breaking point. Jiminy Cricket, you better run. So she's like, why do you got to aggravate me to death? I've had a long day at work, and I come home, and all you do is want to aggravate me to death. And I'm like, because I've missed you. <laughs> That's not love. That's not love. No. 
it is to me. <laughs> but, but anyway, it's a wonder I'm still alive. She hasn't cut my throat in my sleep. But anyway, but God's grace is sufficient. Now, here's the cool thing here. You know, that not only because of her submission to God and how God used her, uh, he, she was spared and her family was spared. But here's the thing, though. She marries a man named Salmon who gave birth to Boaz, who met, uh, um, I went blank, was it Ruth? I went blank. Boaz and, no, not Ruth. Uh, Rebecca, uh, anyway, I might as well blank. But anyway, uh, they give birth to uh, Obed, which is the father of David. And so really she was the great-great-grandmother of David. So I thought that's, that's pretty neat. So actually Jesus was in, in the direct lineage of, uh, of Rahab. So, you know, that is a very interesting point in how you see that uh, how Rahab was used in his direct light lineage to Jesus Christ. Because guess what? We're all sinners. We all mess up. And God's grace is sufficient, and he still forgives us and loves us and will still use us in a mighty way. And because she was uh, obedient and submissive to God, her whole, and the, 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 the spies told her, said, listen, you do, you stay in here, your family stays in here. Now, if you go out, I'm not responsible uh, for the things that, uh, that may happen, but if you do what you're told and your family will be spared. And so they, she put that scarlet cord outside the window so they know exactly uh, who it was and where to, who to spare. And so her her family was spared. So, so through her, not only was she saved, but her family was saved through her. And... Uh, uh, you know, it, it, you see how God used this woman. You know, most people would have discounted her completely. But the fact that God used this woman, that, you know, that no, an unlikely heroine, if you will, God used her in a mighty way. You know, so sometimes, the reason why I say that and bring that up, sometimes it's so easy to focus on our past. It's so easy to think of the wrongs. It's so easy to think of all the bad that we have done. See, that's what the devil wants you to do. God can't use you. You look at what you have done. You can't go to church. Look at what a sinner you are. You know, and that's what the devil wants to do. But then we, we understand God's grace. We understand his mercy, his love, and his forgiveness. Then we can be humble before him. And we can be valuable. We can be used and shaped and transformed for the glory of God. That's just it. See, God, once we come to know God, then that's when that transformation begins. You know, I think so many people think, well, I have to change, or I have to change. You know, I think some people, when they, when they witness to somebody else, they think, well, uh, I've got to change this person's ways. You know, I don't care if it's uh, homosexual or heterosexual, whatever lifestyle they're living. Uh, I think some people think, well, you've got, to, you've got to change course. You've got to do this and come to know God. Hey, you get people through the doors of the church. You explain to them the love of Jesus Christ. And once they come to know Jesus Christ, the first Lord and Savior, God, at that point, will start making that change. See, it's only God that transforms. It's only God that, that makes that, uh, that, that long-lasting change in someone's life. We can't do that. We can't force somebody to change. We can't force somebody to, to be different from what they are. You know, before you, we come to know God, you know, uh, all the things of uh, lying and, and misperception and whatever it may be comes natural. In fact, we may even think it's a virtue, but... Once we come to know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, then we understand and learn and know that, well, you know what, this is, um, this is wrong. This is the wrong way of doing things. This, is, this isn't right because uh, of, that, of God's transformation within us. And when we have that, when we have God's love, when we have that transformation, it produces uh, those works. So we see how Rahab was used at, at, because of her love for God and, and, and those good works saved those spies' life, which brought down... Uh, all these individuals. Now, here's one thing that we uh, find very interesting in this passage. Who were disobedient? All right? And so we see here, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. I think there should be some emphasis there to the point that um, perhaps maybe she tried to warn these people. Say, listen, uh, Israelites are coming. They're going to bring destruction down upon you, and they would not listen. They were blatantly disobedient. Now, people may say, there were over 400 people in there. How could God strike these individuals down? And, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, God gave uh, all these people uh, hundreds of years to change. He gave them time to, to turn their lives around to God, and when they would not do it. 
And we don't know if Rahab tried to talk to them and tried to change them, and they wouldn't do it. You know, I, I think that uh, we see that, uh, that relevant uh, to today's time and culture. You know, we're trying to say, hey, you've got to change. You've got to turn to God. And there are people who are just blatantly disobedient. They thumb their nose at Christians. They thumb their nose at pastors. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to, to learn about God's Word. And, you know, and so eventually God's justice will be filled. He is a God of justice. And he's, uh, this, all this evil and wickedness is, 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 is going to be, come to judgment at some point in time. And so all these people, they're going to perish in a very literal hell. I think that's the problem. Too many churches and, and too many people, they don't want to discuss hell. See, that's the, the biggest lie of the devil that he wants to tell non-believers that there is no hell. You know, that you just cease to exist. That's the biggest lie there ever was. There is heaven and there is hell. And you have a choice of which one you want to go to. You can't blame God if you're spending eternity in hell. You have a choice. And just like these individuals here, they were being blatantly disobedient, even though they were trying to tell them the right, you know, they, like I said, I don't know if Rahab or any others were trying to explain to them what was coming. Judgment was coming. And they were blatantly disobedient. And so guess what? They were destroyed, each and every one of them, except for Rahab and her family. So that's why I find it very uh, interesting uh, to see that, um, in, uh, uh, that they were disobedient. Now, I wanted to look at, uh, let's see here. Hold on one second here. Um, hold on here. I think it's James. Hold on here. Two, I think it was 25. Hold on here. Um, hold on. Yeah, James, he's hiding on me. There we are. Two... Uh, yeah, uh, reason I want to bring this out is uh, James two twenty five, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith apart from works is dead. So we see that uh, again. It is not works that gains its entrance into heaven. I understand that. That's not what I'm saying. But because of our love for Jesus Christ, because of that commitment we've given to him, we want to please the Heavenly Father. And so that, that love produces works. And so we want to do those things that honor and glorify God Almighty. So that's why we're reading that there uh, this evening. Now, you know, we, we see, um, let's see here. I wonder if there's another passage I'm thinking of, but I'm trying to hold on here. Um, my goodness, I'm trying to think. Um, trying to, I can't remember what passages I'm trying to come to my mind here. Yeah, um, particularly in regards to um, uh, whether uh, whether it's Jericho or whether it's being the use of Rahab, but uh, in Isaiah 55, uh, verse 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and, and than your thoughts. So and my point is how God used Rahab, how God used the children of Israel to produce, to show that, that faith uh, and that obedience uh, that, uh, that he called them to do. And um, let's see here, I'm trying to think, or something else I was wanting to cover here just real quick. Um, give me just a second here. Yeah, uh, talking about Rahab's faith, you know, before uh, her acknowledgement and understanding of God, uh, she lived a life of futility. Uh, but then that life of futility uh, led to a life of faith. And, you know, before Christ, you know, I think each and every one of us could understand to say that before understanding and accepting Jesus Christ our purpose for Lord and Savior, we lived a life of futility. Uh, we were just spinning our wheels. Uh, before I went to the ministry, I... Uh, uh, I did, Life just seemed pointless. I'll be honest with you. It just seemed pointless. Uh, I didn't know, you know why I even existed, why I even bothered to get up each each morning. I had no drive. I had no goals. I had no, uh, you know, no desire for for anything, really, you know, as far as a, a career. It just, uh, just, everything just seemed pointless to me. And when I read this, and, and we understand that Rahab's life before her faith in God was futile, I can understand uh, that to a certain extent because I, I felt like my life before dedicated to God was, was, was a life of futility. 
It was just up to me. It was just a life wasted. There was so much I could have accomplished, so much I could have done, but I chose to be selfish instead of following after the things of God. And I think that's so easy to do because man is inherently selfish. Uh, we, uh, our desires are, are that of the world as opposed to God. That's why we, our spirit wars against the flesh. And it's so easy to be uh, trapped in the things of the world instead of our focus on God. And that's one thing we have to make sure that we're doing, that we're keeping our complete and total focus on God, shedding, dying of ourselves daily, and following after Jesus Christ. And uh, it's not always easy to do. You know, our, the devil is, uh, is, is, you know, just kind of like it, um, like I've talked about before, what's that, uh, that game where they put the, the ball in the cups and they're, they're switching them around, you know, and you think you know where the ball is at and lift it up and it's not there. That's kind of what the devil does, or the shell games, what they call it. And uh, that's what the devil does. He wants to shuffle those things around, get your attention on everything and anything, but on him. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, your life is not no longer a life of futility. You have a life of, of, of focus and, and of, uh, of encouragement and, and a, a drive to serve God. You know, I'm constantly trying to think of new ways for the, the church to get out in the community. In fact, I was talking to Dad this morning, how we can get out in the community and witness and minister. And because I, and, I want to encourage the church members to get out in the community, talk to other people about Jesus Christ. I know this, this stupid virus thing has screwed it all up, has hosed it all up. It's, it's been so aggravating. We couldn't have our car and box show this year. We couldn't, you know, different events and things we wanted to do has just been, been, been trashed. I was a stupid virus, but I'm still trying to think of ways to get out there. We, we have a mission, guys. All right, We have a mission to get out there and tell other people about Jesus Christ. We, we have to have that desire to get out and, and be, and be a, a witness to other people. And, and I think some people, you know, they want to come and, and be fed, but uh, they, 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 they don't understand that you have a responsibility to go out and tell others uh, about Christ as well. You know, we, we have to go out and... and and uh, tell others about Jesus that you know it's one point you know yes you need to come to church obviously but uh, and you need to hear and you need to apply it and you need to use it for spiritual growth but you need to take what you're hearing and apply it and use it out here too you need to make sure that we're not giving lip service that we're actually uh, uh, putting that in action uh, our convictions of faith it's sad there's so many people out there that you don't know if they're saved or not you know they claim they go to church they claim they're Christians but their language their, their actions, the things that they do, are no different than that of the world. That is not good. You need to make sure you are separate from the world. Now, we're all sinners. We all mess up. But if your, your uh, uh, mentality and emotions are no distinction between that and the world, there's a problem. And you better address that. You better bring that before God Almighty before it is too late. Uh, you know, because we want to make sure we're right with God. We want to make sure there's nothing impeding our walk with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you can lose your salvation. I'm not saying that. But I think that, um, uh, you know, we need to be bearing that fruit. We need to be uh, being those, uh, be evident that we have a walk with Christ is what I'm saying. Now, if you say you're saved, that's between you and God. But if you don't want anything to hinder that walk between you and Him. Now, um, I think here, there's like there's one other thing I was wanting to hit on. Let me see here. Of course, I talked about how she was the mother of Boaz. I talked about that. She's the great-great-grandmother of David. I hit that. Um, I think there's something else I was wanting to tell you. can't remember what it was. There was some point I was wanting to make. Um, I don't remember what it was now. But it was important. The Lord would have reminded me. But... Um, you know, I think one thing we do have to understand, though, I guess what I'm trying to express here, that does, that God does convert the hopeless. And, you know, I think there's a lot of times, and I probably sit there and say in everybody's life, that um, we were probably, well, every one of us were hopeless sinners at one time, that we had no hope, that there was no, um, there was no hope for tomorrow. And uh, we felt like we was at the end of our rope. And I think it's at that point that God can really use us. You know, just like I was talking about, um, uh, Hudson Taylor, and uh, he said that God had to look around to find somebody weak enough to be used. Uh, you know, we have to make sure that we're, we're humbling ourselves before God each and every day. And it's so easy to be full of pride and arrogance and to take faith in our own abilities and what we can do. And I tell you what, that's one thing the Lord has really uh, worked with me on and dealt with me on is being having that total, utter dependence uh, upon Him. 
and uh, you know, when I first, you know, when I started out in the ministry, uh, you know, I was trying so hard to, to uh, you know, try to be more like my dad, or or try to um, uh, worry about my own ability to uh, remember everything that I study and read, and it's like I was failing constantly, and no matter what I did, it was just an uphill battle, and, and it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying so hard, why isn't this working? But then it come down to it, God was just like, you know, I had to get through to my thick head, and it took a while, because <laughs> I do have a thick skull, is that, uh, you know what, it's not your abilities. It is your dependence on me. And I think that's the point of this whole, these two passages right here, is our complete obedience and dependence on God. Are you utterly and totally dependent on God? Are you being dependent on someone else? On your own abilities? On, or you, do you think that you're so strong that you don't need God? You know, you may say, well, man, that's a kind of a bold statement. Nobody there ever thinks that. Well, you may uh, be in that direction, not even realize or understand it. You know, you may think, well, I take care of this and not even pray about it. You know, that's what I'm talking about. It's easy to do. Well, I got this handled. There's no need to even pray about it. We need to pray about everything. Yeah, I know there's some people take it to the extreme. In fact, there are some people uh, that used to be here that don't come here anymore. They sit there and I remember they talking about uh, how they pray with the Bible. Uh, well, a dozen eggs or something when it was milk, yeah, they buy milk or not. Well, you know, if you're convicted over milk, then have at it. You know, I, I think that I think God gives you common sense whether to get skim milk or whole milk. You know, that's 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 up to you. But uh, you know, it is. Um, but you know, for most things, we need to pray about it. We need to pray before God and ask God, "Is this your will? Is this what you want? Are we being obedient? If God is leading you to do something, are you being a submissive?" And are you being obedient to do it? You know, it's it just like we talked about, you know, with Joshua. You know, I'm sure it was tough for these men to be obedient. It's tough for them to, to listen to what God was saying. And uh, each day for six days, you're walking around and you're thinking, you know, it, 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 God can easily just, you know, one blow of the trumpet and the whole thing fall down. But God had a reason. He wanted them to be patient. He wanted them to be obedient. And that's what we have to do. We have to be patient and we have to be obedient and we have to wait on the Lord and we have to listen. Just as he used Rahab, just as he used Joshua. And my friends, that's what I'm encouraging you here tonight. To be obedient. To listen. To sit still and listen. That's hard to do for most people. Sit still and just listen to what God is trying to tell you. We're in such a hurry. Let's sit still and let us listen and let us be obedient. You know, it's just like I told you before. A lot of times in my life, my dad gave me good, sound advice, but I didn't listen. I went and done my own thing, and guess what? I screwed up. That's why we do as children of God. God's saying, here's what you need to do. Yeah, that's true, but... And then you go do what you want to. You know, uh, you have uh, relations before marriage, or you, you know... Uh, cheat on your taxes or whatever it is, you know, yeah, I know it's what you said, but everybody else is doing it, you know, kind of mentality. And uh, that's why it goes back to we act like children, you know, as children. Well, uh, Johnny's mom and dad's letting him. Well, Johnny's mom and dad let him jump off the cliff, would you? Well, how high's the cliff? You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it is, uh, it is uh, uh, but we got to uh, listen to God. And even though it may go against the grain of of what we want to do goes against it may drive family members or friends away it may even cause our jobs our marriage whatever it, you know we need to be obedient to god and let's just listen listen and if, if you feel like you're being led to do something that's contrary to the word of god guess what that is not of god but if it's in line with with the gospel if it's in line with the bible then we need to listen to that and we need to have that kind of obedience uh just pray about it every day so but um, so hopefully uh, you have tucked that away from tonight's teaching. Well, let us close in a word of prayer. And uh, just remember, my friends, we are, we are forgiven, we are loved, and praise God for it. So let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. And Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful and beautiful day you've blessed us with. Lord, help us each and every day to be obedient. Help us, Lord, to serve you. Uh, Lord, let our faith produce those good works. And, uh, Lord, let us honor you in thought, word, and deed. Let us serve you well. And, Lord, for someone this evening that doesn't know you, let them pray this prayer. Dear God, 
Forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, be with us, lead us, God, and watch your protection. We meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Appreciate all you guys. The guys are coming out this evening. Now, Wednesday, we'll, we'll just be online only. But Lord willing, next Sunday, if it looks like it's going to rain, we may try to meet out here again. So, hope you all have a good evening. Thanks for coming out.